We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Hour Pods. Today's show is part three of our three-part set of season previews with uh, Britt Robson. If you're looking for our thoughts on the guards, D'Lo, Papev, J-Mac, Balmaro, Noel, McKinley Wright, that episode is two back in your feed. If you want some analysis on the wings, Anthony Edwards, Jade McDaniels, Malik Beasley, Torian Prince, Jake Lehman, you can find that one episode back. This episode is on the bigs, which are hard to define in, in the Timberwolves system. Uh, probably the most confusing. I chose to big the groups or to group the bigs. Uh, Carl Anthony Towns, Jared Vanderbilt, Josh Okogi, Nas Reed, and Nathan Knight. Britt, you said that that would be something you had a disagreement with. Well, I mean, the obvious one is Okogi, 6'4. He does have great uh, wingspan and he does often become especially low man in their new system. He is a guy who will be rim protecting on a ridiculous amount of time for somebody who So you might say he like plays power forward. <laughs> exactly. Unfortunately, he, yes. His role I think is going to be extremely similar to PJ Tucker. Yeah, isn't that weird? You know, you're right. I mean, PJ Tucker only has like 60 pounds on him. I mean, you know, <laughs> I think to play that role really well, you have to be built like a fire hydrant. Offensively, I think he's going to play the PJ Tucker role. How about that? I think that's a. Oh given. no, but I agree with you both ends. To be honest with you, yeah. I really do think that what Okogi should be doing is watching PJ Tucker film on defense, because Tucker, Okogi, every now and then it'll get it in his mind to take a charge. Tucker thinks about it a lot. Mm-hmm. And when you're overmatched defensively, even though you are enormous or really strong yeah. anyway, it's a good idea to take charges. You know, I mean, Ilya Sova has been doing it forever, and there's all you know. The, who, who's Ilyasova. the other guy that just takes charges all the Kyle Lowry? Kyle Lowry, uh, less so, but he is a guy who takes charges of the paint all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, Joe but, Smith. Anyway, there's some guy, <laughs> some guy who uh, is a a. a Short squat guy who takes charges all the time. That's not Lowry. Mm-hmm. That's a bigger guy. I can't. I can't think right. of who it is right now. Maybe I will. I, I just think it's the the combination of you know he's going to be lined up in the corner very frequently. His job is going to be offensively. I I 
I brought up a year ago at this time. I thought Akogi should move the power forward. Yes, you did. And, and they started him in the first game. He looked like a genius, and they almost no, never did it again. But that would be a prediction. Right. So I guess that prediction was right. What I wanted them to use him as and has never transpired, and he's quite frankly never shown the skill to be able to, is I wanted Akogi to be a power forward who screens. I wanted him to be a role, like to be, be able to play in the dunker, come up and set a screen to that. Every he has never shown any signs of being He's too able to much be a, of a jitterbug. Exactly. Yeah. So I say that to be I was wrong about mm -hmm. that. Right. What I think is weird is I was wrong about him becoming a power forward, yet he became a different type of power forward. Right. He became a stretch four. In a very strange way, yes. I a mean, stretch and, four and, that you don't need and to guard. People are listening to this and like, <laughs> no, 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 he's not. Neither of us are saying starting a team, right? Starting Josh Okoge at power forward for your team is a good idea. That is not what I'm saying. There are limited options on right. this team. And the co the head coach of the Timberwolves is talking about starting Josh Okoge right. at power forward. So we're dealing in the midst of- He's a stretch of four on thin people. <laughs> you don't need the stretch right. because nobody goes right. out there. Right. <laughs> this is a very bizarre way of beginning to talk about the bigs position but you know for the what? Minnesota Timberwolves. I, let me just say that um, I go up and down on Okoge all the time. But You're there is late, a lately. baseline affection for the guy, even when Okogi is disgusted and clearly only wants to. He can you can practically see the middle finger coming out of his forehead when media start to ask him negative things, where he just leave me alone. I am not going to say bad things about this bad situation and my bad teammates. I'm not Gorgi Jang. I don't have that brutal honesty mm. and you're not going to get it out of me. Um, I have some respect for that. To be he clear, you're not talking directly about me. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 not at all. I actually, I think Gorgi is, uh, oh, you mean, oh, no, me, actually for me, when I've asked Okogi bad things, he, he goes into a mode. He goes mm -hmm. into a mode of like, uh, yeah. I'm just not going to, you know. Mm -hmm. I know let me about. make it clear. Nothing for me here, you right. know. Uh, and and if you pitch him positively, actually, I, I did the piece on the Chris Finch piece on defense, and he was fascinating. He's a big Vanterpool guy. He loves. You interviewed, you interviewed a Kogi. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, for this, I did this piece. Uh, last thing I did for the athletic, as it right. turns out. Um on this uh, Finch in defense and defense in general for the Wolves. And uh, Okogi gave the catechism of Solid is Enough like chapter and verse. I mean, just likes it. And he said people misunderstood Solid is Enough. It's about discipline. It's about not going for steals when you, you know, to, to remain where you are takes discipline. It's, uh, anyway, I found it interesting. And then I found it interesting the way he regards himself, and I love the way he regards himself, he says that there are playmakers on offense. When you get in trouble, you rely on your playmakers to bail you out. Hmm. That's what I am on defense. I'm a defensive playmaker. If there's a problem on defense, it's up to me to bail out the team. It's a great attitude. That is great. <laughs> you didn't want to put that quote in the story? Well, it didn't fit with the whole idea. Yeah. It isn't Finch's system at all. <laughs> it isn't, you know. It'll be interesting to see how he does fit in with Finch, right? 
Mm-hmm. I think Finch clearly wants him in the mix, but I feel this way about Okogi and Vanderbilt. We can talk about Vanderbilt too and totally bury the lead of Cat, which I'm fine with. Um, that I think it's going to be very important in Finch's eyes that the four is able to play out to the perimeter. Yes. And and I think, well, I don't know who would win a shooting contest between Josh Okogi and Jared Vanderbilt. I, I do. I don't think we for I sure think do. Okogi would. I I would bet on Okogi. But point being, they're both quote-unquote non-shooters. As they, you right. know, right. If the other team was drawn up in there as they would on their whiteboard, you know, non, non-shooter situation, we could sag off the strong side corner, whatever. Offensively, Josh Okogi is far superior to Jared Vanderbilt. I can say that straight out because sure. um, Okogi has a plan when he has the ball. If Jared Vanderbilt has a plan when he has the ball, mm. then he's a very slow thinker. Right, and and there are a lot of pros to I Vanderbilt. don't think he has a plan, in other words. I'm actually giving him the benefit of the doubt because if he does have a plan... He's not a very bright guy. So so I think with a Kogi, what you do have is a player who in Finch's system can space the corner more because he has more experience doing it. I, I looked up And he has a decent up fake and he's great crashing from the corner. I mean, exactly. there are reasons even without mm-hmm. the fact that he can hit or not hit a yeah. three point shot that he works in that system. Well, it's just more natural to him to play in the corner than it is for Vanderbilt. I think yeah. that's a real point in his corner. Right. The other side of it and I've actually talked about, I think I talked about this on one of the post-game pods, was that with Vanderbilt, you can't hide a small guy on him, though. That's the difference. Right. So if a Kogi's going to start at the four, as he did the first game, what happened in that game is Devontae Graham guarded a Kogi. Devontae Graham's 5'11". Right. You know? And and if that's, if that's Vanderbilt starting in that spot, they have to totally change the whole plan because if you're going to put Devontae Graham on him, Vando's going to get the offensive rebound you right, know, nine, nine right. times out You're of right. ten, and and a coach may, may not go in the basket. <laughs> sure, sure, but they're, they're, you know, there, it's really the Akogi Vanderbilt thing, and I put them both in this bigs thing for the reason that I think they're oddly very similar players. They're, certainly, the reasons you love them are, are very, very similar. But they have that enthusiasm. Very, yeah, it's that you just if you can't get behind. Guys who try that hard, that consistently, mm-hmm. why are you watching basketball? I mean, maybe you're a Kobe fan. So all I can right. think of. You know what I mean? It's like, uh, get buckets, get buckets, get buckets. You know? Right. It, it's going to be really interesting to see how Finch... I love the backlash on the Kobe people on that one. <laughs> what will Finch think about needing to play both of them? You know? Together? Just, no, not necessarily together. Just both in the rotation. Like, that could be a pick-and-choose spot. I know everyone wants to play 11, 12, whatever, guys, but it could be you know, it could be a pick-and-choose between the two. Yes. Um, Vanderbilt has shown, and he did in that Brooklyn game, like, he's going to guard wings this year, too. Like, he's going to guard the big... I think Torian Prince will be the main guy who gets, you right. know, the KDs or whatever, but or LeBron. I'm trying to even think... I, I'm not even in my head past Houston and New Orleans, but when that time comes... I think Vanderbilt's going to really be a wing defender in that sort of spot as well. I think smart defenders will follow him out. Smart as offensive a, players. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry, I said defenders. Yeah. yeah. Smart, smart guys with the ball. He's a foul waiting to happen. And that's the difference between him and Okogi on the perimeter. Okogi's a much better perimeter defender because Vando yeah. defends people on the perimeter like he defends them in the paint. And you get away with much less on the perimeter. 
it's part of the reason why he's going to be like a 22-minute-of-game guy. It seems that way. You had said that earlier, and I had my doubts because I just thought the default power forward, if you're going to play defense, is Vanderbilt. Yeah, but, and, and he's going to. And he's, I don't even mean that in a negative way against him. Not that you're saying it, saying that, but I, I put out like a uh, – I put the four starting lineups up on a poll on Twitter the other day. Van, the one with Vando at the four was one. People like balance. Yeah. And and good response. The, the, the problem there is can you get as much value from his strengths as you lose from his weaknesses in that system? And that's what I don't know. What I asked Finch the other What are the other options? What I asked Finch the other night before they totally ruined it for me and for Finch, was that Vando is so good with Nas Reed, don't you worry about putting him in the starting lineup because where he is is so good. And Finch embraced that, which indicated to me, one, that he kind of agrees with me, and two, here's another good reason for why I can't start Vanderbilt, which I think is really where his heart is. I don't think he wants to start Vanderbilt. But I do think that Nas and Vando um, have that weird balance of uh, insufficient offense meets insufficient defense. Totally. And the other guys make up for it. Yin-yang. And Cat, you know, is less that way. Finding a a great partner for Cat on the front court remains like the the Rosetta Stone. Nas still thinks he's learning defensively. And Cat thinks he's arrived. Yeah, but uh, I mean, I know. And and I, I gave it up to you on, on Nas the other night, two games ago, last night. Just, I mean, the Brooklyn game anyway yeah. was awful. Um, I mean, Claxton was just way too quick for him. Yeah. Well, he Nas is going to be – well, he's on the bigs list too. We'll, we'll, we'll jump around a little bit here. Nas, Nas is going to get exposed defensively. I say that is All the time. probably the biggest right. Nas stand out there. I Nas is a, attractive to me as a player, given his ball skills. Yes. That, and I really saw that. Um, that was a beautiful thing. I mean, when I saw Nas taking it up the court and delivering up in rhythm bounce pass to somebody, a Rubio-esque uh, layup opportunity. We, we were going back and forth on Twitter last night during the game about how Cat and Vanderbilt were get, grabbing defensive rebounds and bringing the ball up the floor themselves. Yeah. Now, Vando, I like on that. I think those are both disasters because those guys have not played that. They did not grow up bringing the ball up the floor. But Vando can get it over the half-court line. Vando doesn't try to do creative stuff after he's over there. But he's going too fast for his body, and he can only dribble with one hand. I disagree. Let's watch. Let's continue to watch. You're not going to take that away from me. I I love that. I love that about Vando. It's a new wrinkle cool. in his game. Okay, cool. So he gets, he brings the ball past half court. Then what does he do with he it? He gives it to the point guard. Why not just give it to him at the beginning? Because he, they don't go up as no. fast as the Vando. The only reason. D'Lo no. and Beverly no. and uh, J-Mac. Tell him to go faster and, then. And nobody moves as fast off the rebound, getting it across the half court line as Vando does. I just don't think there's that much value in getting across the half court line fast, if only to give the ball back to your point guard to start and set up the offense. If they have 18 on the clock. And the point guard has the ball at the top of the key. Vando has done a good service. Yeah, well, we'll see if he turns it over. I right. I, I doubt he yeah. will. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't think anybody should. I think that was one of the dumbest 
points of emphasis of the past. Ryan, yeah, Ryan said that. Everybody well, no, can that, bring the ball. That was, right. Yeah, it was Ryan and that I was like Rose the idea. as well. Yeah, I don't think that's I like a, the idea when it's Fando. Cat a little less so because what Cat will try to do. That is such a weird hill to die on. I think I can, every other big guy <laughs> I'd rather bring the ball. All right. But just say I live told on, you I so on Twitter when it happens. Sure, sure. Um, <laughs> are, we, are we on Nas here? Um, I don't know. I thought it got personal. <laughs> Actually, you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna take a we're gonna take a quick break, and then we're gonna just try to talk about the bigs all over again. <laughs> Today's show was brought to you by TickPick. Timberwolves basketball is finally back, and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find Timberwolves tickets anymore because TickPick—that's T-I-C-K. P-I-C-K is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NBA tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all of their NBA tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. We obviously have the Timberwolves home opener coming up and the Wolves will be playing at Target Center. So you can use TickPick, they'll have you covered. Obviously, we'll have games all throughout the season. I'll be there at every one. You can wave to me in the media section. So if you're looking for Timberwolves tickets, visit TickPick.com slash Moore, my full name, today, and use the promo code Danemore to save $10 on your first order for Timberwolves tickets. That's TickPick.com slash Moore. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, we are back with uh, right. Britt Robson of MinPost, and we are talking about the bigs uh, in that bigs group. We have Carl Anthony Towns, Jared Vanderbilt, Josh Okogi, Nas Reed, Nathan Knight. We've talked about all of them except for Nathan Knight and Carl Anthony Towns. Let's hit on Cat. Okay. Um, I think the, the note I put down here with Cat was you are hoping for the start of the 2019-20 season. That is what we hope to see in this next five weeks coming is what happened in the first five, six weeks of that 2019-20 season, which, you know, people's memory, obviously, that last year was was the death of his mother. He was right 
and he had a wrist injury, all sorts of problems. We're talking about pre-pandemic, the beginning of that 2019-20 season where Cat came out the first 18 games. The Wolves were 10-8. and eight. The, That's the most important stat. And Cat was scorching himself 26 points per game, 13 rebounds, 4 assists, 44.4% from 3 on 9 three-point attempts per game, a lot of which were self-created. And then 58.5% from 2, 6 free throws attempts per game. I mean, he, that was... It's either, that's probably the best stretch of his career. It's yes. either that or the or the end of that the season right before that because because I know I've gone through and looked at this before. Yeah, but, when when Ryan took over for Tibbs. Yes, right. Mm-hmm. But I think he this, was fabulous then he on was offense. Fabulous. All yeah. we're, we're saying on offense and all this, right? Yes, but this this time was the most. I mean, and it might just be as simple as taking all those threes the way he was, and it was like, okay, you're tapping into everything that you now have to offer you are pushing the gas down on your best skill and 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 he was he was dominant and the wolves were good they they were they were 10 and 8 obviously defense <laughs> waxed and waned over those times largely waned if that's the bad part um but i think that's that's what you're hoping for from cat expecting from cat okay here. but important okay, caveat. Okay, but. <laughs> important caveat important caveat right who was the second best offensive player in that period of time? Andrew Wiggins. And yeah. what was his true shooting percentage? That was actually that was dreadful, <laughs> man. Yeah, he was and learning. So he was learning. Cat was getting usage because Cat was so obviously the person to have usage sure. given to him. As somebody who has, on a fairly regular basis raise the idea of Cat being Jokic-like for this team and getting a usage rate of 35% and creating from both the elbow and the arc and even the low block. Um, I mourn the fact that there just won't be enough marvelous Cat offensive possessions with D'Lo and Ann on the floor. There won't be. And I don't know if that will have an impact Cat seems to have come to grips with the idea that his new image will be as a team guy who sacrifices parts of his game for the sake of his teammates. I would love it if that meant he was a better defender and concentrated more on that end of the court, one, and two, whether he's capable of doing that even if he does concentrate. But I mourn the loss of expecting Cat to get 30 every game. I don't think that's realistic any longer because D'Lo and Ann are on the floor. Hmm. And so I think it's realistic. What about to, the stagger? Even so, I think... How, can, can I just ask you this? Like, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know. Like, How do we think the stagger is going to work? Uh, like, what does this I, look that's like? a really good question. I personally would like to see Ant with the second unit. I do not want to see okay. D'Lo with the second unit because I don't want him next to Beasley. I think that I've seen enough, just a little bit of that Ant Beasley, I mean, that uh, D'Lo Beasley backcourt to start games. And we should note that Finch has said multiple times that he wants to see D'Lo and Beasley together. I know. Okay. And and that's Finch saying, we are who we are. We're a good offensive team, and hopefully we'll be good enough on defense. But I think that the ugly reality of that, both D'Lo and 
and uh, Beasley need to be protected on defense. And when there's no protection from the either one of them, and Pat Bev can protect one guy, he can't protect two. Maybe if you have Pat Bev and McDaniels at the three out there, but even then, then you're playing small ball and he's effectively the four anyway. But yeah. the point I'm saying is Ant out there at least gives you a little more size and... What about from the perspective of Cap? Okay, so what we're talking about here is Finch has said he's going to have to stagger those three guys or wants to stagger those guys, which means somebody has to sub out early in the first quarter so as to come back in and play the second quarter with with the second unit. Mm -hmm. It seems that Cat has been ruled out of that. He's yeah. not going to be one of those. You want to go Nas? No, 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 no. I mean, I, it would be interesting, wouldn't it? I, I guess it would, but I've just kind of ruled that out and that and you know, going off of what Finch has said in conversations, right? It seems like he's going to be choosing between D'Lo and Ant for who is that guy who comes in with the second unit, right? Now, what we often view that through the lens of is okay, as you just did, right? Is this what's best for the second unit? Should we be asking the question of what's the best for Carl? And and that is a good point. That is why you raised it to beginning with because I was saying. Yeah. He gets shot robbed and and losing D'Lo. But losing Ant would do the same thing, in my view, for one thing. Mm -hmm. Secondly, D'Lo was great off the bench last year, but it was telling that all that was without Beasley. So what about this? So we get six minutes into the game. That's uh -huh. the first sub. Yeah. And it's Beasley in for D'Lo. Hmm. And then when D'Lo is in with the second unit... So the, the point is... I think if Beverly's in the game already, if Beverly is one of your starters, no, or Ant no. is your creator, I guess that's we're missing the variable of knowing <laughs> who the fifth starter is. But not, it's not even that. The, the way I think about it is, I'm with you, not as intensely as you are of like never Beasley Delo, but I I understand why you want to stray away from that. I think though you great for Malik and great for Carl is those two playing together. I agree. So so if you find a way to But that's get... the old wolves. <laughs> True. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't think that's they're like, perfect. That's like, you know, uh, I... the 25th defense, here we come. You yeah. Know? Well, I don't know. He's going he's gonna to play. Like, we are trying to find imperfect situations, you know, amidst right. uh, imperfect All right, drives. so let's get back to the bigs. And I do, but first of did, all, I agree with like everything. You, you no, no, like no. I actually okay. really like the idea of um, if, in fact, losing one of those two uh, high-volume guys therefore converts Cat into much more of the focal point of the offense, mm -hmm. um, I like it a lot. What Finch is doing instead is taking everybody off the floor and leaving Cat with the bench. As, as like an inverted thing. If you notice, yeah, the last yeah, yeah. two games, Cat is the only starter on the floor at the end of the first quarter. And that's because, I think, Finch wants to get him off on offense without D'Lo and Ant in the mix. Um, and that's when you could have guys like Vando come on the floor and Beverly come on the floor, both of whom, and, and McDaniels, for that matter, at the three, maybe. Um, I, I'd like to point something out. Yeah, this sounds like was we're like 
kind of feels like we're doing the thing where we're going through the maze and we're hitting a dead end and turning around again and, you know, having to find some teams that have a lot of really good teams over the years have faced problems like this as well. Oh yeah. You know, and obviously one that's just coming to mind right now is OKC. Even not even right. back to the Harden one for sure, but you gotta be a terrible team. What? No, no, no. I'm, I'm talking about the the Westbrook. Oh, KD oh one, yes, yes, yes. You know, and figuring out what that when Hard came is. off the bench, right? Yeah, right, or, right. or even after that, once he right. was gone, right? Well, how are you finding that? Balance? Right. Obvious. We didn't Reggie even Jackson really... filled that role really exactly. Well. Yeah. So there's there's these things that you kind of find along the way. It is, and as as Vincent said, this is a good problem to have. Yes, because but you got to get it. You got to figure it out. The difference, the reason why this isn't a negative is because we're actually thinking about both sides of the court. In the past, we were thinking about the best offense conceding the idea that the Wolves would be terrible on defense anyway. Right. Well, the idea now is to get to be like 18th to 15th on defense. That to me is, you know, they're small and they concede the above the break threes to anybody who isn't Stephen Curry. So let's talk about the scheme. Okay. I mean the, that that is the the scheme is the scheme is the path to 18th on defense. Yes. If they ran drop if they ran the same th- I mean they would not I don't know. They would not be able to be an average defense. I agree with that. They we we've just seen it too many times or I don't believe they would they would be able to. And I know Finch says we're going to still see that some and maybe we will. Well, I, there will be some drop back, but it yeah. That just means that Cat will know what to do. The thing is, we, we call it drop or we call it at the level, really like the former, the drop is defined by the drop because that is who who the point of emphasis is, is on right. the defense. The at the level one is a variable. At the level. That's a variable. It's a ver- but it's the low man. Like that is really the low man scheme. And, and with right. so much more intention on the low man, it is going to turn the Timberwolves into a team that theoretically takes away a lot more at the rim and gives up a lot more on the perimeter. And it, two smart offenses. Right. I mean, some guy will still think, oh, I got D'Angelo Russell on me in the paint. Right. I won't. I'll ignore that man wide That's open. That's the on optimistic the, view yeah. of it. I mean, <laughs> it's also going to be like I tweeted one of them out today. But I mean, and it's Brooklyn. So right, I'm right. not trying to get too carried away with it. I mean, you got you got all the Wolves guys like doing the right shit and it is leading to wide open threes yes, yes, all the time. And that is going to happen. And last time we talked about the defense, I, I brought this all up. Like, this is going to take a while. And not only yeah. that, even when they get it right, it Finch has conceded to me. Yeah. What are you going to do? It's the way the modern game is now. Do you want to take away the paint or do you want to take away above the break threes? And he's right. He says Milwaukee, Toronto, Teams concede the three. Yes. Great point. The thing is, is those teams, what they get to is they get to the third part of the chain, which is, all right, we've taken away the drive. They skipped it to the corner. We've taken away the corner. And now we've gotten them to get to the above. And that's what Finch wants to get to. And he can't get to one and two without ignoring three all the time. Sure. Sure. Which, which is, I'm, I'm saying it's going to take a while to get to three. Mm Mm-hmm. And I, I am pro this system. Or I'm a, I'm a, a team th- like Brooklyn may just go to three and skip one and two sure. because it's there. And KD will just shoot it over exactly. Vanderbilt like he did. Yeah. It, so 
it's it's going to be interesting. It's going to be the time of excuses for Cat defensively are now done. Yeah, that's a that's a scary statement too because I haven't been impressed with him on defense. I I have been impressed with his desire. Uh, in certain circumstances, I still don't think he's great in transition, but I think he's working a little harder. I am enjoying his desire to be a better on-ball defender. I do think that LaMarcus Aldridge just took him to school, spanked him, put him in a corner. Uh, Three times? As many times as he wanted to. Yeah, no, I'm saying he got bored. Yeah. Got bored. I mean, you know, but, it's, but there, there is going to be a contingent of people listening to this right now that are like, "You guys, okay, Brooklyn, sure, Brooklyn did this." Well, to Marcus them. Aldridge is a, is a uh, afterthought now on that right. team. Yeah, I know, and there are plenty of rugged bigs that will do that to Cat. You know, I don't. And you I, know what will happen? What yeah. will happen is it will happen to Cat once, and Cat will follow them the next time. Mm-hmm. I'd lay heavy money on it. Because Cat doesn't. Cat has put his marker down. We've talked about defense enough. It's time to do it. Everybody jumped on that statement. I thought to myself, you poor son of a bitch. Because um, I don't think he can back up his talk. I don't think Cat, at his maximum, is an average NBA defender. I saw Cat try really hard last year, and some of it was scheme, admittedly. Mm -hmm. But I saw him work hard to be effective on defense. I saw it from Al Jefferson for years. Al Jefferson tried really hard to be a good defender. He was not. He had bad peripheral vision. Cat's flaws are different, in my view. He doesn't make good decisions on bang-bang plays whether or not to contest or stick with his man. Um, he also, I think, his footwork is not exceptionally quick uh, when it needs to be. It doesn't have to be. It's like quick twitch, only it's footwork rather than uh, torso. You know, I don't think he can. He can get from point A to point B rapidly um, with his feet. Um, and so. Am I doubting Cat's desire to be a good defender? I have in the past. I am not any longer. I thought last year and this year, uh, I think I think he really wants to be a good defender more than um, he will be given credit for if it doesn't work this year. Uh, I don't think that's. I think in some ways it's it's a little bit tragic if what I'm predicting will happen. I I think it's that, tragic because if you are right and Cat cannot at his ceiling, be an average defender. The entire plan is broken. I don't know if the entire plan yes, is it broken. Is. No, he's the best player in the team, and if he can't be an average center, you can't build your team around. If he can't be an average defensive center, he can't be the number one on your team, and then this whole way that you're building this team is broken. So I do think <laughs> it is. I, I mean, I and I do think it's a little I don't outlandish. Think I don't think it's that. That cut well, what what are you aiming at? Are we aiming at a championship? Let's not even say that. Let's oh, are we okay. talking about well, a conference championship? No. If Cat, there's no way that if Cat is your best player and he isn't an average defender, that the team can ever go to. How often has Cat played with a bruising power forward? I think it makes a difference. 
I think when sure, Cat- if he plays with a bruising power forward, can it be an average? I'm for for the record, I was trying to push back on you. I think Cat can get to be an average. Okay, center. I think he can be an average. Center I don't think if he it's gets all a, a ton of help, mm-hmm. and I uh, I don't think that help helps the offense. Yeah. Uh, I think you have to choose. I think Finch has chosen. I think Finch has chosen to try to be a top ten to top five offense and a twentieth to fifteenth optimistically 13th or 12th defense that will get you into the playoffs yeah <laughs> it if will. I, well yeah if they're 12th in defense i don't know yeah uh, that'd be great i'll eat this microphone <laughs> i mean it's just it's not even the goal they aren't even aiming at being 12th on defense i i don't like you watch these games when they start get going and defense is becomes such an afterthought to everyone and with a team as obsessed with pace as they are going to be, mm-hmm. the afterthoughts are just going to kick in all the time. And I'm not even saying it's a bad thing. That's why I believe in depth. I think that you do need your depth. Your 7 to 11 guys are your defenders oftentimes. And I think we need those guys to get the minutes mm. to reestablish some equilibrium there. Because if Cat and Ant and D'Lo and those guys are on, you can make the playoffs even – I mean, yeah. the year, last time the Wolves made the playoffs, they were third in offense and 24th in defense. Now, I don't think that kind of disparity is realistic, but I do think top 10 offense, you could make the playoffs if you're 17th in defense. I think even, even lower. Yeah. But, maybe like 19th or I something. I mean, Portland yeah. has proven that. But, yeah. I mean, what yeah. I'm saying is I do think it's, it's helpful to promote good habits with with – Ant, mm-hmm. I think it's it's good to uh, foster McDaniel's foster the Okogi Vando minutes, sure. not necessarily roles, but um, there's potential here to put together. Finch is looking for a defensive attitude that allows the offense to win games for you, and Cat is the clearest embodiment of that disparity, even if he does not want to be. I'm, and I'm totally with it. That's why I think this is the right scheme to be running, because I think this is a scheme that once you actually get serious about trying to be a legitimate playoff team a year from now, this team is not. This team might be able to sneak in to be a 7 or 8 seed if they have a really good year and right. have some talent. This is not a team that is built seriously to be a playoff team. It is not, it is not a seriously constructed team. It is... It is a team that is in half in tank mode and half forgot to fill out. Yeah, the rest I'm a of little more optimistic. I wouldn't well, whatever, say it's I, I wouldn't say it's half in I'm tank mode. I'm trying to go positive with this. Okay. I'm saying what is <laughs> what is what Finch is building right now is a defensive construct and offensive construct for a team that once they are able to acquire some more players, yes. Okay. that you can plug in and then this defense actually starts looking like Toronto. Right, what they're running the same thing, but executing it the way Toronto can, because you've added a OG Ananobi to your team, and that that added piece replaces Malik Beasley, and now your defense is completely shifted up to another level. Agree. I, I think that's what this. All right, team that's fair. Is is missing and is going to miss over the course of this year. Doesn't mean they can't be a playoff team. I think they're going to be in the mix, right? Because I think they're going to be awesome on offense. But they, this is not a serious team right now. 
This team has not been. But I think that in the mix is serious. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess that depends on what you're what you're aiming at. I'm, a, like, I'm aiming at the you know 30 years of Wolves history. I I do think that. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, this team is going to make a jump, in my view, for sure, from yeah, the too. last couple of years. Is it ready yet to be? penciled in will everybody be disappointed if they don't make the playoffs no but to say that they're not serious about what they're doing i mean about making the playoffs no i think the players as individuals are serious about making the playoffs i think chris finch is serious as a coach about making the playoffs i think particularly carl at the towns is serious about making the playoffs i do not think gerson rose has put a team together that any coach or any carl anthony towns could turn into a serious team. This roster is so messed up. We just talked, we led with how their power forward position is Jared Vanderbilt and Josh Akogi. Anthony Edwards played some power forward the other night. That is not a serious plan. If you can't tell me three days before the season who your starting five is, it means you're probably a bad team. Well, I mean, you could name four pretty, pretty solidly if you want to. Cool, so you're 80% on your way towards... A competent team. See, I, and I think that's what their winning percentage can be. I'm still saying that good. They're going to be 38 wins or whatever. That's good. Yeah, I think that we are. It is a half empty, half glass, half full uh, glass. I I happen to think that cats. You get wrecked on the rebounds, Britt. Wrecked this year. That is not, that's not me being glass half empty. That right. is a fact. Because you have no big players. Mm -hmm. They got wrecked physically by the Brooklyn Nets, the smallest team in the NBA last year. Last night, we watched that game. Wrecked physically mm -hmm. by that team. But they have uh, done really well against some other teams. You know? I mean... The Pelicans? Yeah, the Pelicans is Who one. also wrecked them on the glass without Valanciunas. I'm just saying, it's not. they're not a bad team. They're just not put together. You, you got like, I don't know. You got, it's like a deck of cards and you got way too many hearts in there. <laughs> I think that we will see a better defense than we've seen in the last three years this year. Cool. Team sucked last three years. Yes, exactly. So they'll suck less. Yeah, we agree there. Okay. And so... You're right that they don't have all the fits for the players. But what I would argue is right now you're taking a very strong glasses half empty view of what I would regard as a team that finished 28th on defense last year has acquired Pat Bev and has another year of Jared uh, of uh, McDaniels in the mm -hmm. mix and has Vando under contract has Okogi. Uh, there are guys that you can plug in. Those guys were both on the team last year. If you year. play them well. Huh? Yeah, yeah. And so what I'm saying is, is I do think... There's a mile from 28th to 18th on defense. Agreed. And that's... And, and, and I think there are a good amount of the ways there. Exactly. So I don't think that therefore the team is broken and that even if Cat be, can't be uh, an I'm adequate sorry, they're guy... Just stained. <laughs> I'm, I, I would agree with that analogy. I'm glad you adopted it because that means that something is a flaw, but not 
a disqualification. And that's why I'm talking about this. This team is a few small adjustments away from making itself work. It currently is not is not there. It is currently has aspirations of being a low end playoff team, a 500 team, and I think it's going to be really fun to watch because it's going to be it's going to be a, a a serious team in the sense that the games are going to matter the whole year. All right, fair enough. And that that's a good thing. That's a good yeah. And that, that that's what that's what you, that was what your definition of serious was, and I totally agree with that. I meant serious in the way that I think Carl might view this team as serious, like a team that's going to make a noise. Yeah. Going to be and, the, this year's Phoenix Suns. Yeah. and Well, I mean, obviously they, they were like super loud with, with that. But but yeah, I, I, I mean, think, that's, that's not going to happen. Yeah. But yeah. I, they're not going to be a well, top four seed. Um, what I'm saying is that's impossible. Not because Ant isn't great. Carl has a ton of skills. I'm high on D'Lo. The reason that is impossible is because you didn't put together a team normal. That's what makes it impossible. And so it leaves me optimistic for, hey, you know what? Let's catch kind of something, lightning in a bottle during the season. Let's make a move during the middle of the year for for a player that balances this roster out, that the defense, the offense, plays a position of need. Like They're not that far away from that. They mm-hmm. just don't have it right now, which – if I'm projecting this team right now, it, it leads me to be like, yeah, I, I can't, I can't honestly guess they're going to win as many games as they lose. Oh yeah. No, I mean, I, I think that we're, I've said it from the beginning and Pat Bev may have strengthened the argument, but he didn't necessarily up the ceiling that much. I think that they are a team that will, way exceed well they will exceed maybe not way exceed they'll exceed the vegas projection we're both on that and they also will be in the play-in mix and they will be flirting with 500 totally agree with that and that is manna from heaven compared to the last five years of tim yeah dude i'm i am i am pumped to cover a team like that i would love that to be the season but where this went off the rails Is when I said I don't think Cat will ever be an average defender. Yeah, well, and that's when you I said, found well, a more then, negative take. Then, then, oh, that's when you set the match, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> well, then, so, because this is now, it. Because then, then we the start whole talking thing about broken. bigger picture. Yeah. yeah, I disagree. I think that if you get a guy, a bruiser, a power forward, or you get somebody who is a reliable four, and you have improvement. If Ant blossoms offensively, or Cat becomes Jokic in that system, or D'Lo, you know, yeah. goes out of his mind, I think you have something there that then you have pieces to work with. Then you become like a a Utah or a Denver or a uh, a team that yeah you can't. I mean, despite everybody foolishly thinking Utah will win a ring someday, um, you have guys that are fun to watch. You have the KG Wolves. They don't win rings, but they're cool to watch. Mm-hmm. I'm for that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm saying that is the first step in the the progression. Mm-hmm. I just think, I think you can be that and also have a very hard ceiling on, on where you're going until you change the roster. Yeah, I agree with that, but I also don't mind the hard ceiling for a while. Right, sure, yeah, and, and neither, neither do I. Let me get some of that air. <laughs> Um, you want to do a final win loss projection? 
No, you want to save no, that for I your call? I want to get into my guy, uh, Nate. Oh, fine. Nate Knight. All right, go ahead. My position on Nate Knight, don't let me down, Nate, is that there will be a welter of injuries at some point during the season, and Nate Knight will have a boomlet of good value. Yeah. He will be well worth the – he may be like a Jalen Noel kind of guy who who gave you like a four- or five-game burst in one of his two seasons prior to this where he went, oh, he mm-hmm. can be a player. And I think that's a great two-way idea. I think that he also – I mean, it hasn't been obvious by now that I like bruisers next to Cat. He, he is – a poor man's bruiser, but he is a bruiser and he's got some size and he will uh, be a presence in the paint. And um, I just think that while I do not expect him to play more than 500 minutes this year, I think there will be a hundred of those minutes or so that will be of value. My, my Nathan Knight guess for what's going to happen is that I think there will be something where we get to like 25 games into the season and on a per game basis, he'll be like fourth on the team in shots per game ah. because he will play in garbage time in three games. Oh yeah. And yeah. Shoot like nine shots. But that's the way game. Vando got in another starting hey, line. I know. It's, it's just, <laughs> that's my projection. This will be like right Thanksgiving and you'll pull up basketballreference.com and you go to per, per shots per what game. What about at the end though? Will point. he be a net value for his meager contract? I think, I mean, yeah, it's two way, whatever. If, if, if two way, you can show me signs that you belong in the league, which I think, quite frankly, Nathan Knight has shown. McKinley Wright has not shown so um, far. Yes. Yeah, but but from I mean, we have a right. decent sample. Like, McKinley Wright needs to learn how to shoot. Yeah, that's that's McKinley's path. Nathan Knight, you're, I'm not. What you're saying isn't as crazy. If you were to say that about McKinley, I'd be like, what are you going off? Of? What have you seen right, that right, shows that right. we've seen some things? From Nathan Knight, whether it be last year, in he the knows league. how to play. He knows how to play. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm with that. I think, like anyone, it would help if he could play next to Cat. I'm, I'm not sure if that's... that remains the great search. Yeah, right. Um, or you know, or can he play next to Nas? Maybe that's probably and step one of it. But I don't like him next to Nas. But that's probably you know you got to kind of work no, your no, way no, up I the get ladder. It. I, I mean, but. I just, I think he's best in a role where he has to be the um, rim guy, even though he is an undersized four. Yeah, he's got to play the dunker. Right, right. He he does have a decent stroke, and Nas does too. I I don't trust his three-point shot very much. For that matter, I didn't trust Nas's for quite a while. And Mm -hmm. and and Nas, have you ever noticed that if Nas – is 0 for 3. Odds are not good for Nas for the rest of the game. Well, he's not going to shoot the fourth. He he's ta- he talked about that last year where he just like stopped shooting threes and goes, I just lost the feel of it. Mm-hmm. And like, right. He, I mean, and Nas has a touch stroke. He doesn't have like a. He'll always have that OKC game. <laughs> they lost though, and he just crumbles to <laughs> oh, the floor. Oh, man. No, that was incredible. Uh, I kind of feel like Nas Reed right at the end of that game. Have we been... talked about Nas? I know kind you want to get out of here. No, no, no. I. <laughs> We've just been talking about the Timberwolves for when did I get here? Three, six thirty. Um, we could do a little bit of Nas. He uh, he's my Nathan Knight. 
I know. No, I, I talked about no, how we actually, have great you know, skills. I have to give it up to you. One of the reasons I want to talk about Nas is have I ever said a nice word about Nas to no. your face? No. I don't think so. And I really saw the ball skills the other night. I mean, in a game under circumstances that were not gimme circumstances where I thought to myself, he sees the floor, he has options. I mean, for a, a six nine backup center or six ten whatever he is backup center to have options sixteen feet away from the basket, does he pull up and shoot? Does he put the ball on the floor and drive? Does he drive and kick? Um, I thought a backup center that has those options has got some value. And this is after he hit somebody on the break with that Rubio s right. dime. You know, uh, um, I I agree with you that. Um, well, I mean, I said it before, and but you had always agreed with this, that he is a very, very up-and-down defender. Sometimes he gets a matchup that works for him. Sometimes he doesn't. He's very, very dependent on the capabilities of his teammates in the paint to be a good defender. Um, but he has stopped falling down, which is become a kind of an inside joke right. but the fact of the matter is it's a it is a thing and it is no longer a thing right now right. so that's a real improvement um and i know you like his work ethic and um well i believe in him as a, as a basketball player i think like the there's that whole like is he a basketball player is he a hooper thing mm -hmm. like Nas is a hooper and and i think that at the center position is interesting mm -hmm. um in, in what you can kind of, it allows you to stretch your wings a little bit more, be more. That's why I've always had this kind of like, I'm interested to see what it looks like once he starts stretching his wings. Cause I think he's got, I think he's got that wings, <laughs> that uh -huh. wingspan. You right. know what I mean? And, and then what has slowly started to happen over time is he started changing his body. Yes. And I remember, I think it was even his first year. So, I mean, he came in way heavy, way not in good shape or whatever. But it was the very end of the year, and, you know, we're at those practices. Yep. And he was working on the the hoop that we stand by when we're, right. when we're watching practice. And it's end of the workout or whatever, and he's, I don't know who his coach was at the time, but it's just kind of running, touching half court, coming down for, like, finishes down the lane. He's practicing that. And he's coming up, and he's, like, putting his head at the rim and reaching his arm back and, like, you know, kind of like the style of right. the LeBron dunk. Not, obviously, he's not as high as LeBron was, but it was kind of like that. And in my head, we're like five, six months removed from Summer League where this dude couldn't jump over a glass cup. Right. And and I'm like, okay, like he's clearly got game. Maybe there's something under here. The Ethan Strauss line is right. fat is potential. Wait, wait, potential. What, what's that line? Don't know it. Uh Fattest potential in disguise. Ah. Something like that. I like that line. Um, and I, I started thinking that about now uh -huh. uh, about Nas. And then we, we've seen more of it. it. It has like, if it's been a stock, it's risen. Not that it's at like some crazy right. heights. But I really believe him right now that he is in, feels as good as he ever has before. Because I remember at, uh, one of the days I was asking him, uh, I asked him about playing at the level versus in drop and what he's more comfortable with. And he's like, honestly, I'm more comfortable in drop mm. and it's not what we're doing anymore. So I'm going to have to like, I'm going to have to learn that. And I was like, 
as a reporter, I know honesty always gets you on your. <laughs> well, I, and even because if it's right. incriminating honesty, right, 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 right. So then, by him incriminating himself in that way, later on in the interview, somebody else asked him about it, about you know physically how he feels, and he was like, "I don't know, like how to say this to you, other than like I really do feel incredible. Like I didn't know that I could could feel this good with my body, and I am just so excited." To be able to like, I've been like these whatever this time. Right, right. My body feels is is just as good as it has been, and I don't really know what it can entail. And and you know, if you just isolate for for that, like that, right? Yeah. Well, you just like, I probably wouldn't believe that if he just had only said that in the interview, right? But that the fact that he incriminated himself earlier, right, right, right. I believe that's just all honesty. Yes, I agree. And so that just leads me to you know more optimism about this guy. I think I think he's. uh, you know, these other guys, bigs on other teams like Robert Williams and, and stuff like that, where they're the, the young big and because they play for a bigger team, people jump on board with them and they get really excited about, you know, what they're going to be. Like, I I really do think Nas is kind of similar to that. I don't know. Is he going to get $14 million a year like Robert Williams did? Right. He doesn't I, have the size. He does have the size, though. It's actually the weird thing because he's big. He's 6'10". He's a small six ten. Oh well, he's he's got a seven five or. Seven, but three. Robert Williams is big. Is what I'm saying. I, I I could look it up, but I bet you they're they're similar. I I just no, I'm not trying to rain yeah. on your parade. I really like the whole spiel. Yeah, and I, I I think that when you make a connection with a player, where you believe who they are and what they're going to try to be, maybe you um, get blinded, huh? Maybe you get blinded. You're saying. I think that it's a combination of blinded and wisdom. I think if you're wise about a player, um, you're going to be blinded a little bit because the wisdom, the insight you get into that player um, is cherished. And so that cherished insight will be all the more enriching if it happens and all the more disappointing if it doesn't happen, right. but it alters the way you look at somebody. Um, and that doesn't mean that it is um, less accurate a viewpoint. You're not being snowed uh, because you're always on the lookout for being snowed. What I would argue about Nas is that there are some basic things that will hold him back, I think, um, you said that Balmero is his ceiling is as a role player. That's what I feel about Nas. I think his See, I don't. Okay, I, I I really do think he has a higher ceiling than that. I think he okay. could be a starter in the NBA for sure. Okay, and and that is uh something that I don't share, but I respect. I respect where you're coming from because I've had connections with players that um. And and sometimes it pans out and sometimes it doesn't, but I never doubt the connection. I never say that guy just cut a vein and I see exactly what he's talking about and I see the way he plays, but I'm going to ignore that because the analytics are wrong or because the fit is wrong or something. I think that, you know, we're in this business because we trust our instincts. And if your instincts are shrieking, that guy is legit. He makes sense to me in terms of what he is and what he's up to. Um, if you're wrong, you're wrong. But it's a 
the best way to be wrong, in my view. I, what I think about, we'll wrap on this. I, 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 there's been other players over the years, two other just undrafted players like uh-huh. Nas. Um, one player I really liked during the Tibbs era was Marcus George's Hunt. Yes, I know. And, and he was great. He was a yeah. brick shithouse. Yeah, my, but he wasn't guy. actually great. Yeah. So, but when you normally. Well, neither was Keon or whatever. His well, name. that's what I was going to say. He's my second one. Because normally with an undrafted player, when you say, oh, I like this guy, it's because you believe they're going to be good enough to stay in the league for a couple right, years. That's right. like a great success. Right. Obviously, that didn't help with Marcus Georges Hunt. I was very wrong there. Keelan Martin, my, my thought was that I, like, I think he's big enough and can shoot it well enough right. that he'll be able to stay in the league for a couple of years. He is still on Indiana right. this year. So he kind of has, but that isn't. And you never know. Right. Yeah. And you, I don't know. I wouldn't even, I'm not going to give myself that much credit on that one. The thing with Nas is why it was different for me is mine with Nas wasn't like, oh, I think he's just going to be like a minimum player in the league for a couple of years. I think I, I, I think I said last year that I was like, I think Nas's next contract will be like $7 million a year. And that's a pretty big. That's, yeah, yeah, that's a lot that's of money. Right, that's right for for a you know for an undrafted player. And I think that will be a gamble. Sure, I don't disagree. I think that he's shown enough upside in certain areas that are important to the modern NBA game. Mm-hmm. As Finch said, the the direction of the league is in skilled bigs. I I think I think he won't get that because everything he's ever done is on the Timberwolves. And you talk to anybody, they discredit anything they've done on the Timberwolves. On the other hand. Um, there are some people that smart GMs will, will ignore that. Yeah, yeah. If in fact it's a smart move. My my way of, <laughs> of leading that to is, I think he has the potential to be an interesting extension candidate here when the time comes, where maybe you can sign him to. See, that's a, the way I feel about Okogi. A four-year twenty. Yeah, yeah, sure. I want Okogi to be signed. We talked about that at one of the exhibition games. I said four for 24, and you said probably more four for 28 was your idea. I thought I was four for 20. I think I said six a year. That's what you're saying, right? No, you said seven a year. I, I maybe even was even lower than I might have said four for 16 or something. Yeah, I think that's what and you And whatever did. it was, you were higher and you were more accurate. But I like the idea of signing him as, as, a, as an investment even now, yeah. even though we know what he is. In, to a great well, literally degree. today to a great degree today huh? today is the day today we're is recording day? this on October fifteenth okay so unless it's, it's unless not going to happen I no, saw, no 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 I saw happen. Wendell Carter Jr. sign yeah it's not going to happen that would be that would be a, a group yeah. to move that'd be fun but you know he'll be you know Josh will be a restricted free agent this summer and and I will time. tell you that Nas is the kind of guy the reason he won't get it from Gupta is because Gupta is used to screwing those guys <laughs> Gupta is used to paying them three. You know, rather than seven, because that's what the process Sixers did. Well, no, it started with the Goop, the Hinky special, or as now we call it here, the Goop special. special. But once you're off of it, what happened to Jeremy Grant? He got off of the Hinky special. Yeah, but and then not, he went on not to- with Goop to Steve. <laughs> <laughs> right, that's, that's what fair, I'm that's saying. Fair, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Um, okay. Give me, give me, let's, let's, let's actually give me your win. Well, I mean, this year. is always a weird situation. What I will say, it's a huge caveat. Yeah. The Wolves have to have to go through a, a league average amount of injuries. Not a lot, not a little. Yeah. Um, we can have two-thirds of the big three miss half the season. 
then the whole thing is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. So it's a big caveat, but it is an accurate one. I mean, I look at this team on paper and having seen them, uh, you know, the, the four preseason games coming in, the reasons I had optimism for this team were Chris Finch and Anthony Edwards in some kind of order. Lately, it is far more Chris Finch than Anthony Edwards, not long-term, but short-term. Sure. I think that Anthony Edwards may not take as big a step this season, and some of it may have to do with the coaching of Chris Finch <laughs> spreading things out and doing things a certain way. But I do think that those two guys will be very important to an improved Timberwolves team. Um, I think their defense will continue to hold them back. I think really good teams, especially teams that can shoot from outside, will kill them. Um, Don't forget about big teams. I think their point differential will be worse than their one-loss record. I think okay. when they lose, they'll get crushed. I think yeah, they'll win – they're more than their fair share of close games because they do have some really interesting shooters. Kind of like a, after the trade deadline. And a very creative coach. Oh, even kind of like last year where they went 11 on 11 or whatever it was. I see them. Sure. The competition and the stakes will be higher, but I also think the team is improved. I see them between 35 and 41 wins. I don't see them being above 500 team. I just don't see it. Can you give me a number? Uh, well, 35 to 41, I think is pretty good, but let's, let's, for the sake of things, although don't hold me to it, you're halfway, I'll just pick the halfway point. What's that? 38? That's what I was going to say. 38 and 44. Come out with the same number. I'm just, apparently the glass half empty when you're the glass half full. <laughs> well, you just went on a little jag there when I said cat could never be a uh, adequate defender and you thought that would basically detonate the entire scheme. Well, I, I disagree with that. For, to be clear, I do think that. <laughs> I know, I know. You do. Um, but we don't. But I don't know that. I, we don't right. know that that's the case. I mean, I think there's. Yeah, that's a whole other. That's a whole other. Right. Role. But you're a thirty-eight and forty-four. We agree. Yeah, I I started. I will say. I and is that a play? In? I think it's a play. In. I think they're the tenth seed. Sure. Let's say. Yeah. Let's let's give it to them. Right. We'll give them. We'll give them the tenth. No, I and I. And I think that will be regarded. They can they can sell it as a step forward, and that that's what I'm talking about. I think that is a step forward. And then I, I'm I can already hear people emailing me and stuff about how I was negative about this not being a serious team. What I'm talking about is that you take the step forward, this 38 and mm -hmm. 44, mm -hmm. and then you replace certain players on the team with more serious right. options in that role. And I think your team. Playing that system again can make it. Then, then you can talk about being forty-eight and thirty-four a year from now. Right. That, and I do think that when we disagree, as often happens on these podcasts, and when people misinterpret what we say, or at least we perceive them misinterpreting what we say, or we just say it wrong. So much of it is context. Yeah. So much of it is like you and I may not have the same context. I'll be saying no, you're wrong. You say no, I'm wrong, and we're saying. We're coming to the exact same conclusion. We're just coming at it from half empty, half full right. or, or whatever. And I think people who listen would feel the same way. I mean, I get a kick out of the idea that people think that I don't like D'Angelo Russell. I am very skeptical of D'Angelo Russell. Right. I have a lot of things about him that I respect. Uh, I respect 
what I perceive as the depth of the way he approaches the game. I think he is a student of the game. I have respect for um, his offensive capabilities. Um, I think he has a checkered history. I think he is a lousy defender, and I think he has a lot to prove. But that doesn't take away from those positive things I just said. But I am also in show-me mode. Mm -hmm. And for people who don't want or need, or, yeah, don't need, don't to be need shown. D'Lo to show yeah. them anything, I just don't regard them as a very intelligent basketball people. Right, right. So I'm glad I get that off my chest for the fifth time. No, <laughs> I was going to say. Um, <laughs> uh, no, but, but, but what, what is cool about, I mean, you as a writer, me former writer, I guess. Slash, well, as a, as yeah. a premier podcaster, uh, my Joe, friend. Yeah. No, but that's the fun part of the job is adjusting the context along the way. Exactly. It, it really is. Because that means you have an open mind. Right. Have what, a, what a concept. I mean, I've done this plenty of years now with you where we've had this conversation at the beginning of the year. And then we go back and you go, oh, look at that. That was this. Well, that's that. why and I'm saying, I mean, the injuries the have just does. made all this moot the last right. few years. All right. That, and, and that is the one thing I'm most like knock on wood excited for is as a season that's kind of normal in that sort of way. A reliable barometer. Yeah. That would be nice. That that that's exactly not it. running in place for a change. Exactly. Um I'm 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 pumped for it. I'm I'm really excited for for the game on Wednesday. Be back at Target Center, background you, the other beat guys, the players, um, to whatever extent that's gonna you know, that's gonna look like. I think this is like last year sucked. Last year sucked on on, on every on every level. Um but th this should be should be a lot more fun. So Thank you for doing three podcasts with me today. Hey, my pleasure. Um, we'll do we'll do another one, not before the season, but uh, but once we got we got a little bit of trip. Let's let's for sure do it by the time that they've done those first three games. All right, and and we will see. I'm pre I I think three and zero should be the expectation. Woo. Maybe you're maybe you're right. Maybe two and one is right. I won't be disappointed with two and one, but. Um, we'll see where this team goes and we'll track it all season but it's going to keep doing the pot again uh, read his stuff at MinPost now on the first pot he explained how he moved over there and, and that's where you'll be able to find his writing this season he's Britt you can follow him on Twitter at Britt Robson I'm Dane at Dane Moore MBA until next time how I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stops, yeah Green it hard so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah Hope you're dancing like nobody else around, yeah This is the story of the one As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on That's why he works behind the scenes Ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.